Okay, I just got a phone call, so we're going to cut that song. <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful and moving, and then suddenly, like, Jed from Kansas is on the horn, so I had to let it go. But what we were listening to was the Elena and Leela uh, song from the... You guys have both watched the series, right? No. I- I've watched it. Oh, you have? Okay, okay, okay. Well, that music was from the series, and this man, Max Richter, if you look up R-I-C-H-T-E-R, he has the whole, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Today. <laughs> oh, you did. Oh my gosh. Isn't it lovely? Ooh. Yeah, it the next time I have to drive somewhere far in the snow, I'm going to get high and yeah. drive in that. Because <laughs> it's going to be so <laughs> cool. Which might be tomorrow. I think we're getting yeah. weather. Uh, so today, welcome to Reeds and Weeds. Welcome, Colin. Hey, it's good to be here. Hey, you feeling awake yet? I am. Okay, good. He woke up from a nap. I brought us donuts from Donut Town. One tea in Donut Town. They don't waste that second tea. (laughs) Donut Town's right next door. Okay, today we're talking about my brilliant friend, Elena Ferrante. And man, this is a long time coming, right? Yeah. I feel like we've been talking about this for a couple of years. And I. Yeah, I think we might have been. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, um, when I first, I, I first, uh, listened to it on audio. And so this was the, my first time through reading it with, you know, not listening to it. And it's so much easier to understand because of all the names, because they're just figuring out who's who. Oh my gosh. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I can't, I, know, wait. I still get confused. Oh yep. yeah. Oh yeah. There's too many. Yeah. We'll talk about that. But, um, this is our 20 something episode. Of reads and weeds. We're almost at 30. We might even be. We have like three ready to roll out right now. We just did a shakes. We just did a reading of Hamlet on Sunday. Ooh. Yeah. And, uh, we've got the next six lined up and we're collaborating with a couple people, Chris. So we got an email from up north tokers, which is an Alaskan cannabis podcast. And they're like, Oh, you got to call into our show. We listen to your show. And then we got sent a book from dement called dimensional cannabis, which is a pop up book. I put it on our, um, Instagram and stuff today, but it is gorgeous. It's like a giant, a grown-up person cannabis pop-up book called oh my God. Dimensional Cannabis, the pop-up book of marijuana, and it's so cool. It's by Proposition Press, and I didn't want to have a full-on club about it because it's not like you can just pop to the library real quick and get one of these. You have to order it, and they just came out not too long ago, Um but it's, you'll have to look at the, my Facebook page and just, I flip through it on my Facebook yeah, page I'm and it's at it. so, isn't yeah. it so cool? It's so cool. It's so cool. It's absolutely beautiful. Love it. Yeah. So we're talking about that and we also have, um, some other collaboration. Oh, the women's group that I meet with that is a bunch of women in cannabis. Um, and we kind of meet pretty regularly to talk about, how to keep focused on like what this plant is for us. Um, in, because right now in Michigan, we're in that time of it's the gold rush time. There's people swarming in and building businesses and oh, failing mm-hmm. and laws being made mm-hmm. and controversy and 
union battles and all kinds of stuff. No flour. (laughs) Yes, yes. Running out of product. Running out of product and things. And so, um, hey, you know what? Let's talk about a big win real quick, though. So in Michigan, the state of affairs right now, and in the middle of like um, our president got impeached and then acquitted, or the impeachment trial went through, he got acquitted like as I was driving here today. (laughs) So fun. Uh, We're supposed to get a blizzard tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. It's almost Valentine's Day. Hooray. But also... Robin Schneider, my fearless leader in the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association, she went to the state and asked them to delay the nickel test, the enactment of the nickel test until July, which saves people about $14 million in product. Because, wow. Yeah, it's giant. I mean, think if you're a grower and you're trying to pass all these tests and you have you know, literally hundreds of pounds of flour that suddenly they're testing right, for something right. they didn't warn you about. They just started testing for it. And if you fail that test, you fail. And all that has to be destroyed. And so people were upset (laughs) about that. (laughs) Really upset. And Robin has been working her butt off uh, to get that fixed for our businesses because it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. So that was, that memo went out today from the MRA and I think a lot of people are going to be really happy about that because it was getting, they were getting, it was affecting everybody. Yeah. It was affecting everybody. Those tests are so like rough too. It's like trying to like cut out that smaller group of growers, like Mm -hmm. people who don't have, you know, warehouses where they're, you know, everything's all on track, hydroponic system and everything, nutrient supplied. Yeah. Yeah. It just cuts out a lot of the like uh, growers who are used to using like soil. Yeah, and uh, soil. I know, right? Soil, soil, <laughs> dirt. Like you grow stuff in. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Seems seems fine. And 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 I'm so on the fence. I may have said this on the show before. Even is my we we are supposed to remain Switzerland with the yeah. association, right? And just be like we're representing the businesses. Period. But. Also, when people get really riled up over the tests, I'm just like, I get it. But, I mean, I had some mold on some blueberries the other day from the store. Just rinse that shit off. Yeah. <laughs> just rinse it off. I've never smoked tested weed in my life. I mean, uh, I, me so. and you, Shelly, probably have picked up so many, like, ground nugs and, like... <laughs> And just, like, just so in the bottom of somebody's car, you're like, is this like, weed? Should we try to smoke this? Hey, found this bag here. <laughs> what am I sitting on? Is this old weed? Let's try it. Put it in something. Put it in a can. Yeah. We're testing for metals that I used to smoke out of on purpose. <laughs> I know. Like, it seems like there's a little bit of dented Coke can in this supply. It's like, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, let me get this, uh, uh like, lint off this nug and... <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> I think it's in my sock. I think there's some in my sock. There's some lint in there, a little bit of toe stuff. <laughs> I'm smoking weed right now. But it's yeah. Nice. There you yeah. go. There you go. So, yeah, it's um, got docker in it. That's yep, yep. Delicious. Too. It makes it better. Always. Um, anyway. It doesn't so, smell good when it burns. It's bad. Uh, but well, it is. It smells like burning dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's the new strain that's going to hit the town soon. Burning dog hair. Um, 
Okay, so that's a good win, and uh, we talked about that book. And I want to know, Chris, why uh-huh. why were you so wanting to do this book? Because you get really excited about certain authors and stuff, and I wanted to see why <laughs> yeah, why this book. Yeah. Um. God, this book. Um. Well, I basically was. Rec- I was. I was out of things to read. And I asked, uh, I was helping some friends sell a house, and it turns out they're both, they both teach creative writing and literature. In fact, the guy who recommended this book to me, um, he was the head of the creative writing department at the University of Denver. So um, he and his wife sold their house, and we were having like a celebration dinner after, and we were talking books, and I said, I need something. And he said, oh, have you read Elena Ferrante's books, and I was like, nope, never heard of her. He was like, oh, go go and get the first one, see if you like it. Some people love them, some people hate them. So I did, loved it, read, like, all four in a world and probably within a couple of weeks. I just blew through them and then started them over again. So I just, I, I think I love them because of the content. Obviously, it's about friends, girlfriends, yeah. two close girlfriends. And their families and the world that they live in. And that relationship between women always, you know, to, to articulate that as well as she does um, in the book is just amazing. And then it's the, the, really the craft and her tone. Like she, mm-hmm. for me, has mastered mm-hmm. the tone that if I could accomplish creating the sentences and the story and like everything with the tone that she made. I mean, it would just be mm-hmm. like she talks about in when she's been asked about this book, she talks about how the tone is so important to her. And that did not surprise me. Cause I was like, oh my God, like it's literally like she's talking to you. That's, that's the deception. And of she's the book. talking, you, and you she's talking to you as met her in a yeah. coffee shop. Yeah. And she's telling you the story and she moved in and out of time. So definitely the craft of the book. And I also love the prologue and the whole envelope of the book, which is spite. Oh, <laughs> wait. Me, so, so wait, when you said like, that, I didn't understand. I, love you. I didn't understand when you said the, the envelope is spite. Is that, I don't know yeah. what that means. What does that mean? So, she so said it that? Has, it, the, the, my brilliant friend has a prologue and it's before the first section. And in the mm-hmm. prologue, she talks about Leela. So, so the story is about Elena and Leela, and they grew up together. But when we enter the prologue, she's in her 60s. She hasn't oh, talked yes. to Leela in years. Leela's son, Rhino, or Reno, Rhino, yeah. Reno, calls her and says, my mother is missing. And at the end of that prologue, she says... Um, she wanted to not only disappear herself now at the age of 66, but also to eliminate the entire life that she had left behind. I was really angry. We'll see who wins this time, I said to myself. I turned on the computer and began to write all the details of our story, everything that still remained in my memory. Right, like you're not going to disappear on your terms, right? So yes. She's going to have the last word, and then yep. you get into the story and you realize that the words between them and, mm-hmm. and Elena who's narrating the story, her words and who she is has 
in many ways, we'll get into it, been crafted so heavily influenced by Leela's words. Yes. And so you have this beautiful intertwining and um, development. And that's, to me, and, and, and she does the same thing with so many of the relationships, relationships between men and women, between the girls and her mother, their mm-hmm. mothers, um, teachers and girls, the church. I mean, it's just, she literally covers everything. It's, it's a masterpiece. So that's, that's why I wanted to read it, because it excited me. I do only get excited about a few books. The only other book I've ever read that's probably excited me this much, and I hate to even say it. Euphoria? I feel so cliche saying, saying it, but probably J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye. Ooh. Is, is offhand, the, the, a book I've read and reread and reread and reread, and it's because of how he captures the tone of that character. And so mm-hmm. that's why it reminds, it's like this personal narrative um, that is so unfolding and authentic mm-hmm. um, that it just, it like vibrates inside my body. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I, um, so just to put this into perspective, we're, we're talking about Elena Ferrante's My Brilliant Friend, which is the first of four books about the relationship between two girls who are growing up in, starting, I think, in 1950, Naples, Italy, and um, they are in a little neighborhood, and they're kind of poor, post-war kids, um, kind of growing up in sort of a scrappy, violent, sort of emotional, figuring everything out together with the other neighborhood kids, and this takes them up through, this takes them from elementary school up through about age 17, is that right, the first one? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. And so what what the book is about, and it's kind of tone, uh, told from the point of view of um, Lenu, and uh, she is, ta- I mean, really the whole story is about her and her friend. And it's so, I'm always fascinated by someone who can capture capture someone ch- as their mind changes showing a character oh showing a c- character consistently over years as their mind grows and how they used to see people and how they see people now when i've tried to do that before it's just really hard <laughs> to keep a character themselves and the other characters also identifiable as themselves but to watch them also change their minds and grow up and to be clear about that Holy cow. Very yeah. impressive. So, um, uh, Julie, chime in. What was your first impression slash love for this book? Why did you want to jump on? Uh, well, like Chris, the relationships, friendships, I mean, that that is everything to me, are relationships. And the way that they so, that she is able to so clearly show, like, from an immature friendship of how, um, how you internally feel, how I have inter- how I have felt in really close relationships growing up, like when you're young and then going through like middle school, those ages, and sometimes even now at 46, like where you're insecure and spiteful and just like all the kind of dirty and ugly feelings, but they're so real and they're so part of us in a way that we don't, you don't really talk about it because it's this internal talk. You know what I mean? It's just like how you're feeling through things and it's your insecurities. 
and just to see it written mm-hmm. and to feel it and to know it so well, it is just beautiful. Yeah, I, really. I, I realized reading this that I love the way she writes kind of the meanness of kids and people it's so honest that you're like you're pretty forgiving of it because you're like well you know what kind of person would i be if like nobody i knew was educated and nobody gave a shit and somebody was missing an arm and somebody was just fell off the side of a building one day and somebody's you know just got threw out of a window over your head yeah they're they're terrified they're terrified it's it's post-war they've only really had maybe a few years of peace. So the whole country was in turmoil. Um, the, I mean, they had, they had aligned themselves with the Nazis. Mussolini was overthrown. I mean, it was just utter chaos and turmoil and thousands and thousands and thousands of people die. And that's kind of one of the things that I love about the book too is that she, we, she never goes into all that. She goes into the next generation, Lenu yeah. and Leela's generation, and they just refer to that time as the before. Before, yeah. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And they get it, yeah, yeah. And it does play a central role in Pasquale, who is a character, a bull, one of the boys in the neighborhood. But anyway, these girls and in this neighborhood, they're poor. Their parents are, have survived, barely. And, um, yeah, these girls, I mean, this is happening right when in Italy, I, I think right around the time these girls, like Lenu, who is Elena also, uh, Lenu's her, her nickname, um, she moved on to middle school after elementary school, and that was probably one of the first groups of girls to be allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's secondary talk- education yeah. was not a thing. Um, yeah, so, and, or for so anyone, all of that is in the yeah. background of of, of the and her family angry that she that they that they have to deal with that. Right. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, well, they're kind of mixed. I mean, the dad. Yeah, he came. Right. They came around, but at first, like her mom is very. Her mom is her mom has jealous. been beaten by the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, her yeah. husband literally beaten. <laughs> Yeah. Literally beaten. Well, so let's talk about that for a minute because one of the things that this book did for me was like when you think about the before, what I was thinking is yeah. there was giant era of our world history where education just was not a given at all. <laughs> you know, it just wasn't. Right. And when education, advanced education started becoming more of a thing, it's still people were suspicious. They're just like, why would you go to school? Why wouldn't you just mm-hmm. go work at the fruit market? Everything you fruit need to market. learn is from your parents. Yeah, just go work at the fruit market or go... In the church. Yeah, or whatever. In the church. And, and the, yeah. so the controversy, first of all, her value within school, like the basically the start of her and um, Leela um, competing in school... And, yes. and, and tell me your impression of that because the way that she writes out, like one of them's, one of them is like the putting so much effort into it and the other one just almost like the spite part, almost like being smart and being able to read at such a young age, even though no one around her gives a shit about it. And she's this little girl and no one in her family's educated and she can just, and she's kind of freaking everybody out, you know, so. Lita, yeah, so Lita tell me, is, yeah. so give me yeah. your impression of how that kind of 
competitive early school relationship sets up there because that's how the book is well, starts. Yeah. I mean, for me, I know you, you guys, how you'll relate to it, but like, I think the part of the beauty that I think Elena does so, the writer Elena Ferranti does so well, is she taps into these two sides of girls and are two pieces of the very, very complex nature of women. We're not just two sides, but this, this, this girl like Lainu who wants to be perfect and do things well. She, she, she identifies that school is a place that she can thrive. It's not this dark, you know, squalid sort of, you know, oppressive place that home is. Um, where she's, you know, expected to help raise the kids and clean up. She actually shines there. And it's all by being good and being the best and being smarter. Mm-hmm. And then Leela, kind of by accident, after tripping their teacher and the teacher falling and being constantly reprimanding, reprimanding Leela, the teacher accidentally discovers that Leela can read. And then Leela starts getting the attention. And... It's sort of this, this, um, you know, they're facing each other off, and Leela is like the the little devil um, who gets away with things because she's so smart. Um, and yet, no, oh, you're right. Nobody in Leela's family cares that she can read. I don't know that much anyone cares that that Elena is good at school, right? Or that um, anybody's doing school at all. Like it's such an it's like yeah. a novelty almost. Yeah, it's just yeah. like something the kids go and do. It's just an extra thing for the kids to go and do or something. Yeah, yeah. And then, but I think she perfectly illustrates that that girls. I don't know if you guys went through this. I'm sure, knowing you so both so well, that you felt this. I know we've talked about it in all our years, but you, mm-hmm. you, you, you feel this tribal thing when you're in school, and you see how the boys move around so freely and so. Whatever it is that boys do, they're just doing it. And as a girl, I always felt very vulnerable, mm-hmm. e- expected to be good, um, expected to be <laughs> quieter than the boys, expected to be um, the And smart, you were, of course. <laughs> all these unspoken things. And you're trying to, like, get approval. You're just constantly trying to get approval. And you're definitely trying to get that from other girls. But, you know... Oftentimes, those those relationships are already set by the time uh, that you're even, um, you know, trying to figure out what you're doing in school all day, and then you're just trying to make these alliances. I mean, it's just I I literally look back at all of school; it's just a battlefield of alliances. Wow, yeah. <laughs> exhausting, exhausting. Yeah, hmm. and never never feeling like oh that you know never feeling like. Uh, never feeling school is a safe place, never feeling like I was successful. (laughs) In any way, like with school or relationships, especially for like relationships, that was always a struggle. Like you were never, there's so many people and you were with them all the time and you just had a minefield. It was like, are you mad at me today? Is this okay? Is this what happened? Like all of the things you didn't wear the right clothes. You didn't sit in the right seats. You didn't do, you know, all the, what's wrong with your hair? Do you take a shower? Why do you wear those tennis shoes? Yeah. And we're brutal and kids are brutal. You know, what's interesting with this when I, when I think about the difference, you know, cause I was trying to picture 
these girls that there wasn't and there wasn't any kind of you know because being uneducated and because of such limited exposure to the outside world there wasn't like this is how i'm supposed to be you know they just were yeah. they just were this way their influences were their family and their neighborhood and the courtyard and the history of the place and that's it so the concept of, of before like they bond uh, going up the stairs to Don Achille. And Don Achille is this man. They kind of paint a picture of him being a mafioso that the town has taken sides on. And he has the they grocery store. They blame him for everything. And he has the grocery store, but he only has it. You kind of get the feeling that he only has it because um, the Solaro's uh, gambling debts. Yes, gambling debt, and he used to have yeah. a carpentry shop there that um, he apparently had to give up because he owed money. And so you get this ogre, scary-like impression. They confront him about their dolls. So there's so many things about this scene of them like playing together with their dolls and throwing their dolls down the grate. And the first time it's I read all that, about the, dolls. I, yep. the first time I read that, yep. I was like, oh my gosh, how brutal. Like, they're just mean right away. That's so true. They're yeah. mean right away. I'm going to throw your doll down the grate. Yeah. And she they, wants no, to be friends they with her. mean right away. Lila was mean right away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Lila yeah. took her doll through it. Yeah. I have a quote. I have the quote right here. Okay. We saw each other in the courtyard more and more frequently. And this is a little out of context. We'll have to go back. But because we showed off our dolls to each other, but without appearing to one in the other's vicinity is if each of us were alone. At some point, we let the dolls meet, a test to see if they got along. And so came the day when we sat next to the cellar window with the curl grating and exchanged our dolls, she holding mine and I hers. And Leela abruptly pushed Tina through the opening in the grating and dropped her. Yeah. And then she did it right away. two girls doing their doll thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just playing, you know, letting the dolls, like, have their own little world together. Totally representing, like, their, and, and, and Alina goes on to say, or Lena goes on to say, like, she's so attached to her doll. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, but don't you think, you know what I love is Lena is so enamored. I mean, she, she yes. is so enamored oh, yeah. with Leela and yes. she... And and e- no matter what, really, like because she's mean, because she does things that yeah, oh yeah, because Absolutely. she throws a rock at somebody's head, because she's the freaky smart one yes. who seems wild, and she it's never ex- you know, as we get older, we go like, I wonder why I'm attracted to mean people, <laughs> you know what I mean? But as a little kid, she just <laughs> is, she just is. And, and there's no, she's just fascinated with her right away, wants to be her friend, wants her approval, wants to hold her hand, yeah. wants to be her confidant. It's the most important thing in the world. And I wonder yeah. what... You know, it's funny, yeah. it's funny you saying the word mean, because I think, I, I get why you're saying that, but I, I don't know if it's fair to label her as mean. Well, I mean, she I calls think, her that. She, you know, in, you know in what I mean? Book. Yeah. 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 She, she is affronted by that, but I still, like, she's, Leela is being 
assertive. Uh, Leela is making her own way. Oh, yeah. She is doing things her way. And I think Lenu Le- comes across so almost placid in a way yeah. that it's easy with that placidness to, to as the reader, I just don't, let's be mindful. I don't want to slip into, you know, Lenu is absolutely like this good little girl. Oh, no, no, no. Because <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's more the way she describes her as being seen. Meaning like when she's in school, the teachers and the other boys think mm-hmm. of her as a mean, crazy little girl. Yes. She doesn't. She's uh, in love with creature. her. Yeah, she's, right, she's, right. she loves chapter her. Three, chapter three starts out with her saying, Leela appeared in my life in first grade and immediately impressed me because she was very bad. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love that line. I yeah. know, it's so good. Oh, man. Like, of course. Yeah, so which t- of course makes me think of you, Julie, and uh, and makes me wonder, <laughs> Shelley, about if I was your bad friend because I've certainly been labeled that before. <laughs> Beth Gardner's parents labeled me the bad friend. I was, uh, I was the bad friend. The bad friend is my bad yeah. friend making a vodka drink. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. On the table. <laughs> no, you, you, no, no, I think it but was. I also had bad friends. Like, you know, it, like you go back and forth. That's what I love about this is that yeah. it can be anyone. It can be any one of us can be the bad one on the situation. Like, well, I think it's, it's but, so, but good friends, like they, that's yeah. why they're together. It's because yeah. they need, they yep. need the, the, those components of each other to bring each other out. But that's why they hate each other because they bring it out, you know? Totally. Yeah. Well, I think I wouldn't say mean or bad. It's more like who's braver than you and who's experienced something that you haven't and wasn't afraid of it. So you don't think of it. (laughs) What'd you say? What was that? I meant... What? How does your trauma come out? Well, yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah. Well, you're like basically they're they're always kind of comparing. They're comparing themselves because of school, and they're comparing themselves because of boys. And then when she gets to go further in school, they're sort of competing and comparing the way they do school because basically these people who are in some of them, you can't put your finger on it, but you're going like that person is authentic, and they don't not using these words, but. She knows that Leela yeah. is real and not taking any shit as a like child. Yeah. As a child, she's right. real and not taking yeah. any shit. And so nobody is really forming or affecting Leela. She's like forming and affecting everything around her. You know, she's like, yeah. she's, and, and, yeah. and so yeah. when she does show little vulnerable things, like if you're going to learn Latin, I'm going to learn Latin. You know, so, or if you're going to learn Greek, I'm going to go learn as much Greek as you do, but first in the library. And if I'm going to, yeah, if I'm going to work in a shoe store, then I'm going to create my own shoe. And, you know, it's just, she's going to, she's going to be the bold, brave one. And of course, that stands out anywhere in the world at any time because so many people are full of shit. But this is like, the you know little 1950s post-war Italian version of this, and it's 
it's fascinating setting, you know, the setting, the, because their influences are so raw, like nobody's going, Hey kids, stop fighting. They're just fighting in the streets and then they go home. All the time. All the time. That's just what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like they are just physically communicating. It's just part of who they are. You mess with my sister so you can kind of expect a beat up. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah, you know, they're, the boys are constantly fighting. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're looking for it, really. I mean, they're just, that's it. That's how they communicate a lot of ways, especially the males. Yeah. Yes. Hey, hey, let me ask you a question. So I've got these questions from, um, oh, hey, Chris, maybe you've done major research into this, but is Elena Ferrante, Elena Ferrante, or is that like a secret Mm. name for another author? I thought that was. I love that you're asking this question, like, so. Um, like you really don't know the answer. That's amazing. I don't, um, I don't know. Cause I, that's I mean, so cool. Yeah. So, so it, 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 it's a pen name and she's very, it, it caused quite a bit of controversy because people wanted to know who she was. And then it was like, like all this big to do that it was a man who really wrote them. And then she, you know, she had to come out and say who she really was and she never had. And she doesn't do like appearances. She doesn't right. do any of that. But she, she's been interviewed. It's always by distance. And if I were calling her correctly, I don't even think she's done a radio. Inter- no, she hasn't been even done. Ra- it's like always through letters. Yes, yeah. Or email. So, so um, no, she, she. It is a, it's a pen name, and um, she talks a lot about why she wanted to do that, and. Um, that it was important to her. And I personally love it. And I think she's absolutely right that it, it makes the writing the best the writing can possibly be. And, um, yeah, so she, she, she is not Elena Ferrante. She may have chosen the name Elena because she's a huge fan of a writer named, uh, Elena Moriarty, Elena, Oh, she's a big fan of another writer, and I think okay. she may, out of like of affection, chose. Okay, so that's Elena. that's still true. That's still true that her like real identity is still mysterious, right? I'm pretty sure it's still mysterious. People yeah. really went through a surge and tr- like tried to pin it on a couple different people, but I'm not sure that she's ever, or who it's clearly a woman, um, has mm. ever been actually tracked down. Mm. Mm. So, Chris. Chris, knowing you, have you read the author that you were just talking about? Have you read? Who? I've written it down. It's on my list. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, for both yeah, of so you, she, she has. The, yeah. For both of you, here's here's a question. So the series, the Neapolitan novels, contains my brilliant friend, then the story of a new name, then those who leave yeah. and those who stay, and then the story of the lost child. And so when. Yeah. When, um, now that you've read those, right, and I haven't, what parts of this book did you look back onto and go, oh my gosh, that was such a pivotal scene, like out of the Don Achille, out of the wedding, out of the rocks, out of the day that they skipped school, was there anything now that you've read along that you, that was such a pivotal, like, shaping of their relationship in this first book? Ooh. Julie? <laughs> I 
I'm going to give that one to you, my friend. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to, I, I honestly, it was like, oh my God. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the whole thing is, 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 is every single aspect of these books, every single thing is, is so intertwined and so important. Yeah. There's not a single scene Moment. in this first book that isn't important to the, the, the rest of the books. And I, like, she's so specific. She's so sparse while, while telling such a, um, rich Mm -hmm. story. And, and, but, and starting, so starting with the prologue, I mean, the prologue of, you know, right. This is, I'm, I'm going to get back at her. Mm -hmm. And I believe she mentions the dolls in the prologue. Yeah. Um, the dolls, it's everything. And, and I, what was so fun for me is I, for whatever reason, when I first read the book and I got a sense of the dolls and that moment with the dolls, mm-hmm. I knew the all four books that the dolls were going to come back. I knew Ooh. they were going to come back. Okay. And I can't say how they come back right oh. now <laughs> because you, everybody listening, if you care about literature at all, you're going to go read these four <laughs> novels. Yeah. <laughs> you care about humanity and women. That's what we're here for. That's really um, the theme of this show is to shame stoners yeah. into reading. Yes. <laughs> Don't be a dumbass. Go read this fucking book. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's working, yeah. too. People and, go, I'm thinking about yeah. reading now. <laughs> so so for me, like, just, um, yeah, that, that, and, and you get it, and it comes back, and it doesn't come back too soon. And it's not cliche, and it's actually by the time you get to the end, it's actually almost unexpected, and that's like it's so perfectly done. Oh, it's shoot. like you know it's coming if you've been paying attention. Yeah, you know it's coming, and you and almost you forget. forget, you forget, and you forget, and you forget, and then it it comes and it comes back, and it's so poignant. And to be able to do that um, over the Oh my God, the, the, the world building that mm-hmm. this book is. Oh yeah. These books. Oh yeah. Are, um, <sighs> is just, I mean, she's at, I don't even, I, I've read about her other books that she's written. I haven't written, read her other books and it's on my list to read. Um, but she's clearly in these books. I think, um, she's, she's at the height of her craft. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you um, think about their characters, was there one that you? So, if you haven't read the book, um, their physical differences. Leela is like smaller and slight, and kind of dark and wild with big eyes, and she kind of seems like like a sprite, almost a dark sprite, I guess, and then. Um, Linu is more rounded and dewy and voluptuous and blonde and, and, and kind of a little bit reserved and not as, I, I picture people like even before I saw the series, there was a couple of my friends that I pictured and that friend that you're always, you know, you're a little scared when they're in the crowd because they might lash out at somebody and you know it and you're like, oh man, oof, what's that person going to do? You know, 
and they're bold and they're fiery and they live on their own terms, but it's like, whoa. But was there one of the characters that you felt more akin to or thought about, oh, when I was this age, I was more like this person? Washburn? Washburn? Lee New. Lee New. And yeah, why, why, why so? What, uh, what characteristics? What was that? Why so? What characteristics? Uh, her insecurities mm. are so, just so real and like just how she never feels like everyone always likes someone else more. Like every, like all the guys always like her friend. They, you know, they always like, she'll like, be with someone, but they're looking at Leela. Yeah. All of yeah. Things. Right. It was so, that was really painful actually to read those parts. I would just, it, yeah, it reminded me of growing up and how I was always the friend of the person that everyone was really attracted to, really wanted to be around and, um, and just always trying to yeah, be really good, be a good person, be, you know, all of those things. I really um, didn't but also, to, but like, really felt a lot of her. Yeah, mm-hmm. and trying to find that, like, unique thing about yourself yeah, that sets yeah. you apart, but you yeah. you don't it's actually safety. have the, you don't have, you don't have anyone in your life helping you navigate what yeah. might be special about you. <laughs> No, right. Way. That's a luxury. And, and, That's a and, luxury. And then you have, then you have Leela, who in her in her way with Lenu, Leela is the thing that makes Lenu feel special. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And so it becomes this um, very shadowy entanglement for Lenu Mm-hmm, um, because mm-hmm. it it's wrapped up in her trying to literally figure out who she is, but because she doesn't get the kinds of attention that she imagines is the kind of attention she that that well to keep it simple yeah. that Leela <laughs> gets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, she, you know, she. Um, you get to see all of that vulnerability and self questioning, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's so visceral. It's so oh even my God, even holding on, even holding on to her. So uh, something to understand about these two girls is they they start off being sort of school rivals in this little neighborhood and they're literally pitted against other people to be smarter than the other people and (laughs) Leela easily wins Um, and this kind of goes through the whole book of like who's going to get more educated and Linu is going about it formally and there's fits and starts of basically her teachers pushing her and that making her feel special and she has to try really hard and for Leela it just comes naturally she just understands latin she can read she understands how to do math she starts learning greek she starts learning english she wants to learn she's just kind of savage almost about her learning and her curiosity and so it comes easily even though no one cares and no one is encouraging her at all um which and, is why she doesn't continue on in school. Right, right. So she doesn't continue on right. school, but that is still there. It's still going on once she stops school. Because mm-hmm. she 
gets, uh, Linu gets really excited for just a minute when she gets the best grades in the class. But then, um, around that same time, Leela has found a library, gotten library and, and checked out books for every single member in her family so that she could check out family. So she can get the most. So she can get the most. And so they all get awards. And so she doesn't even, and they, she doesn't even show up. Because they give it an award for who read the most. And of course, none of them show yeah. up because they don't care. They don't yeah. care. They don't care. Who cares? Yeah. Well, also, I think like with Linu, like having a friend like Leela um, that does just do this thing, like Linu, it's like part of this fight is also like she didn't even think of doing it that way. She wasn't right. like, she wasn't pulled along because of this passion for it. She just wanted to be the best. She wanted right. to feel good. And so then to see someone that didn't follow the rules and that actually thought of another way of doing it, I think that was like, that's the whole thing. Exactly. Like, so like devastating. Leila in the elementary school competition with the two girls and some of the boys that also plays into like the neighborhood politics, Donna Keeley's son yeah. and um, uh, Antonio, that's okay. So I, I get so confused, but in, in the, in the children are in like second or third grade or something. And they, they're pitted against each other by the teachers, um, for this academic thing. And, and the important note here is not that Leela is smarter than the boys and Lenu at solving a myriad of things. At one point it even comes to a teacher poses a question and Leela says that you can't solve that because there's a, something wrong in the premise and of the question. The, the point of all of that, I think a great deal of it, besides showing more tension between the politics and the neighborhood, is to show that, that Leela, not only is she just smart, she's um, astute. She's able yeah. to read other people um, and their and very, very, very astutely and very quickly, she assimilates um, the politics and the bef- quote-unquote before of people, before she even knows what any of that means. She seems, as a very young child, to be aware of what every single person in a situation represents. And mm-hmm. she is able, single-handedly, to maneuver children and adults at a very early age, so that she wins, but she doesn't, um, she doesn't offend Don Achilles' son in the yeah. competition. Like the, the son has to win, otherwise it's going to come down on her family. But she and she allows it to sort of yeah. come off that way, if I'm getting it right. But however, she does it gracefully, so that it is clear to everyone. Well, at least to again, back to her mirror image, Lanou, yeah. it's clear to Lanou who the smarter person in the room is. So, yeah. so Lanou, the entire time, not only does she have to live with the fact, you're right, it's so eloquent to point out, because she's not just living with this as somebody who's just smarter than her that makes better grades. This person is... Crafty. She's 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 gifted. She's yeah. Um, she's gifted. Yeah, I would imagine she's, she's, everyone in the neighborhood. Oh, what is yeah. the word? She's um she's she's blessed. 
she's she's mm-hmm. gifted, she's blessed, mm-hmm. she's she's taken her circumstance and her personality and her position and she's still able to be original. Yep. Yeah. She is everything that's and going she's on with and it all seems it seems like automatic and effortless like she's just doing her thing yeah. she's waking up in the she's morning just being herself she's just waking up in the morning being herself and for most kids and and the thing is is to be to, you know what i think is interesting is we don't know what the other kids are thinking right we only know what alina right. thinks about what the other kids are thinking so I mean, we get a, we get a sense that Pasquale is thinking about fascism and Nazism and he's wanting to be a revolutionary and he's pissed off about things and he's thought about the history of the neighborhood. Yeah. And we get a sense that some girls just want to be cute and, you know, they've been damaged and we get a sense of that Melina loves Sauditore. You know, we, we get that sense, but we don't get, but it's all seen through the yeah. filter of her. And, uh, exactly. and so we're seeing it through her developing young mind. Awareness. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. It's amazing. Which, it's only sharpened oh. because of Leela. Yes. Yep. Her awareness. Like the whole thing is like, here's what I'm thinking about everything, but I'm telling you what I'm thinking about everything while I'm also comparing what I'm thinking to everything <laughs> to how Leela yes. would, would interpret it. Yes. This woman that I am adjacent to is making me yeah. a better person. Okay, so I have to stop there and inter- interject a couple of things. Okay. So so I've read a, a, a lot about Elena, and she has a book, and I'm going to mispronounce it, and everybody who speaks Italian is going to hate me for being so American. They already lazy, do. I, all the Italians true. I know hate you already, so don't even worry about it. Oh, my God. It. But it's like Fran- it's Frantu... Frantumaglia, Frantumaglia, it means You fragment. sound Italian right now. You sound Oh, Italian. God. Yeah, so yeah, tough. yeah. Okay, so in, in her book, okay, it's a collection of, like, interviews and notes and, and letters, but she she reveals through all of these interviews and letters and stuff that she, she like, studied the classics, clearly. She grew up in Italy, obviously, in, in Naples. And um, so, anyway, here's the quote. Let me start with the quote. Okay. She says on page 151 of Frantu Maglia, here's my Italian. Right. She says the story of the Virgilian Carthage expresses well how consumingly the polis lives on the feelings of its citizens. It, it also expresses what happens when love, the thread both for getting lost and for finding our way, is banished. Each breath becomes fine. The accords of civic life dissolve. And this passage, if you study, if you start to get into her, what she's taught, like to me, that, 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 first of all, Carthage is the city that Dido goes to build. And Dido is from, I'm going to screw it up, so I'm not even going to say it. Dido, Dido basically is this character who she has escaped utter violence and murder and humiliation. She has barely escaped her life from these violent men. Um, and she's made it. Um, I can't even say I'm going to fuck this up so bad. God forgive me. This is why I'm not getting a PhD creative. Writing. Oh yeah. Me too. Um, me too. <laughs> just call me doctor and send me a dollar. Sure. But, but, but she, she Dido basically goes to build the perfect city. You guys, this is the, this is the culmination. She's like, 
She's like, I'm going to build this perfect city. And she's doing it, leaving behind all of the, um, the violence and trauma of, of the men in her life. And mm. she's going to build this perfect city. And then she falls in love. And with uh, a- Amy, 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 that's right. Aeneid, <laughs> and she falls in love with Amy or something. Anyway, and, and, and when she falls, like she's building this perfect city, she's building this perfect place. And, and it, it's a metaphor. So Elena is using Dido throughout her novels and she's using Carthage too. The Ooh. neighborhood. No, no. I can't get into that yet. So anyway, so, 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 can kind of create, this is my interpretation. God, Alana Ferranti, have you never fucking listened to this? But, <laughs> but, but how, how I, for me, without studying any of it all, this is what I'm taking away, is okay. that Dido goes to create this city devoid of the corruption and the violence of men mm. with her sister. It is a female city. It is a city made for out of love it is a city made out of love Mm -hmm. from a woman who has escaped utter violence and trauma Mm -hmm. okay and then she falls in love with this man who's also a big you know king situation and it (laughs) falls when it falls apart she takes her own life and it breaks her and then carthage is never the city again that it could have been and Dido dies, and Aeneas or <laughs> Anus or whatever his name is, Anus. Anus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He Aine, of course for sure, like some, <laughs> some princess of a of a of a king, and he does like the, obviously the like political thing. Um, but for me, once I got that information about her love, she didn't always love Dido. She she came to love Dido over time. Um, through research and writing and just this character of Dido. But for me, in this book, and I don't know how we even got on this, forgive me, but Leela is, in the beginning, Leela is Dido. She mm. just, she just is going to, she wants to build the female city. Huh. And she okay. sort of represents because she says, like, I'm never going to get married. I'm yeah. never going to have a boyfriend. Yeah. I'm yeah. never, I'm, ne- I'm not going, and through her whole being, as we were just talking about, like, from the very beginning, she does not act like a typical girl. Right, right, right. Um, she, and, and she utterly, she stands up to her father, who literally throws her out a window. Yeah. She yeah. is trying to build her own Carthage. So, so, and so, all along the way, she's sort of rejected. Yeah. Um, well, hold yeah. on a second. We want to, I want to, um, we're going to take a little break okay. here in just a second, play some of this music, come back, go to the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. But when we get back, I want you guys to think about three things. One is the shoes okay. and what the shoes the represent. Shoes. And then 
two is I want to read something from the before. Uh, I've got a quote that I want to read because I was thinking about it today in regards to our divided country and politics and blah, blah, blah. And it's a quote that I think will tie in well with that. Uh, so the shoes, the quote about the before, and kind of what her angle is with this relationship um, that she gets into, kind of the way that she plays those two guys and how that, watching that unfolds for Elena and the going away to the water. Like, basically, these two things happen to them that change their lives pretty drastically around the same time. But one is very neighborhood and one is very expansive, you know, I guess. So let's let's talk about those three things. Oh, yeah. We're gonna try to we're gonna try to get this um, playlist to play. Um, so I'm gonna start it and turn it up. I'm going to ask you guys kind of a question, see if you know what. When somebody says no. that a joint is canoeing, do you know what that means? No. No. Really? Colin? No idea. Colin? I smoke weed. I don't get all fancy. I know. I no, 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 no. I think you will know what it means, but you probably call it something mm. else. Okay. Okay. So just picture a joint being smoked. Okay, then, I got it. Okay, Colin, explain what that means. Okay, so canoeing is when, like, it starts to run on one side, and, like, the paper doesn't get burned, and it, the oh. weed is just burning down one side, so yeah. it looks like a canoe. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but I've never heard it called that. Have you? No. No, that's such a dude lingo thing. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah. I think I just call it. Yeah, it's right. it's it running. It's it running, running or something. That is. 
Yeah. It's running. It's yeah. running. It's running. Yeah. But I've never heard canoeing. I just heard canoeing for the first time. Or maybe not I, the first time, but it... ever use running, but I've, I felt like since I've always smoked like the last 10 years that's always been called canoeing is canoeing and well, now we know and it's not just the women women say know. it too i'm sure we do i'm sure we do no no it's know. worldwide we just we're just out of it we're just out <laughs> of it so um hey i want to talk about another thing that i read today that i'm so excited because do you know you know charmy don't you colin uh, yeah of course, of course I know you know charmy. Charmy. okay so there's a magazine you guys probably have it wherever you are there's current magazine it's like a you know, it's the little magazine that's in the front of all the coffee shops that tells you what restaurants to go to and what bands are playing and all this stuff. And in Ann Arbor now, okay. which is just such a great okay. little sign of the times, there's now a little section in the magazine about like how to make medicated dinner for your Valentine. <laughs> it's like an Australian oh, free range lamb chops right. dish. And then it tells you how to make your green dragon cannabis tincture. And then it tells you how to make, and our friend Charmy is the one that, that wrote, that wrote it. it. And I can't believe it. It's, she has a recipe for, okay, listen to this medicated Valentine's Day dinner, Australian free range lamb chops, garlic mashed potatoes, steamed asparagus and medicated chocolate truffles and the recipes and how to do it. And everything is in here. And our friend Charmy wrote it. So. I just love that, you know, five years ago, this wouldn't have been in here. That would have been ridiculous. No. Like five years ago, people were just starting to put ads in, do you know, and now all of our billboards are huge. Billboard yeah. people are, yeah, people everybody's like billboards. doing billboards. Yeah. Um, okay. So before I forget, I'm going to talk about this before thing. So page 162, and this really struck mm. me because, um, one of the things I love about reading is that, well, you you guys have both read the book On Writing by Stephen King, right? No. Uh-huh. Okay. So, Julie, you said no. Chris, you said yes. Yes. Okay. So one of the things he talks about is writing is, is time travel. You know, I'm sitting here and I write yeah. a big eight on the back of this white rabbit in red marker and now you all see it even though you're there in a different place in time and I'm here in a different place in time and it's time travel and that always blew my mind <laughs> that's always blown my mind that you are completely relating to what these girls are going through in a different country in a different time with completely different circumstances the exact same human experiences and in this book there's two big things that do that for me one is they're sitting in the courtyard reading little women and they read it yeah. over and over and over again and i usually have an audiobook going in my car all the time that's different than the other uh -huh. books that i'm reading and the past two weeks it's been little women so I've just finished it. I just finished it for like the fifth time and realized, oh, her, that means that I was influenced by Little Women. The author of this book was influenced by Little Women and her characters were influenced by Little Women. And we were all influenced by a completely other, do you know what I mean? And in the book Little Women, they're all influenced by Joe being the writer. You know, and it's, it, yes. that blows my mind. Anyway, so that's one thing. The other thing is the which sense was, of, which was, which was at that time for a girl to become a writer was, that was the first of, it was like the first opportunity in, in a mainstream way to start to do that. 
Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and they want to write books and they want to, you know, and that whole excitement around that being their way out and, and all of that. So, um, okay. So then the sense of before. So this is when, um, uh, basically, Linu has started going to high school and she's, she's wanting to come back to, um, Leela and say, Hey, look, I'm doing cool things. Good things are happening for me. But also she wants to find out what's going on with all the boys that she thinks like Leela. And she wants to say, Hey, I'm going with Gina now. You know, she wants to brag about it a little bit. But in the meantime, while she started caring about all this stuff, she realizes that because Leela has been hanging out with Pasquale, she's learning about the history of the neighborhood and the history of the world, really. And she's kind of pissed mm-hmm. off and obsessed about it, okay? And two things are so clear in this. One is this point when you're young and suddenly you realize that the world is this big place with possible corruption and that the people you think you know are not the people you know and that their histories are like this and it's it's amazing. So here's her talking about it. Because I've seen you walking, I've seen him walking you to the shop in the morning because he's explaining the things that happened before us. Thus, she returned to the theme of before, but in a different way than she had at first. She said that we didn't know anything, either as children or now, that we were therefore not in a position to understand anything, that everything in the neighborhood, every stone or piece of wood, everything, anything you could name was already there before us. But we had grown up without realizing it, without ever even thinking about it. Not just us. Her father pretended that there had been nothing before. Her mother did the same. My mother, my father, even Reno. And yet Stefano's grocery store before had been the carpenter shop of Alfredo Peluso, Pasquale's father. And yet Don Achille's money had been made before. And the Solaro's money as well. She had tested this out on her father and mother. They didn't know anything. They wouldn't talk about anything. Mm. Not fascism, not the king, not injustice, not impression, not exploitation. They hated Don Achille and were afraid of the Solaras. But they overlooked it and went to spend their money both at Don Achille's sons and at the Solaras and sent us too. And they voted for the fascists, for the monarchists, as the Solaros wanted them to. And they thought that what had happened before was past. And in order to live quietly, they placed a stone on top of it and so without knowing it, they continued it. They were immersed in the things of before, and we kept them inside us, too. That conversation about before made a stronger impression than the vague conversation she had drawn me into during the summer. So, oh, and then this is so wonderful, this last line. The Christmas vacation passed in deep conversation in the shoemaker shop, on the street, in the courtyard. We told each other everything, even the little things, and were happy. So she lays this heavy philosophy about before and how people are ignoring it or immersed in it and don't realize it. And then she's like, and we're friends and we had a good holiday. (laughs) And it's so wonderful how she does that. But for me, listening to this impeachment thing today and thinking about how our country's divided and all this stuff, right when I had recently read this before passage, it just made me realize that people like land in their life and they are under no obligation, really, to figure out how things got to be this way. And, yes. and that. To put it in context. Yes. And so it is not everyone who just goes, huh, I wonder why things are set up why this way. Why is shit like this? Why yeah. is shit like this? 
And once you start doing that... Those same people, apparently, I'm just reading because of some article that spiral. Yeah. Some people don't have an internal monologue, an internal narrative. I think it's the same people. (laughs) The same people who don't have an internal narrative, an internal monologue, are the same people who aren't ever asking why things are the way they are. Yeah. Yeah. I swear. Yeah. Well, it's and just, it's what, unfolding in front of them, and there's no context. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and even the like. Well, we know we hate those people and don't trust those people, but we haven't really questioned why. Like, it's you can even put that in the old like movies, the westerns about the Hatfields and the McCoys. Like, they hate each other because they're the Hatfields and they're the McCoys. You know, they hate each other because they're the Crips and the Bloods. They hate each other because they're whatever. You know, we've picked sides. This is our hierarchy in life. So that's how we live. And so, but the line that is so amazing is, um, And in order to live quietly, they placed a stone on top of it. And so without knowing it, they continued it. They were immersed in the things of before and we kept them inside us too. That is just mind blowing. Um, It's mind blowing. And I have to relate it back to Dido, which is the building of a city, like how things are built. How are things built? Things are built on people's ideas and people intention and um, that thread of love. And so Carthage was going to be the city built on love. And if a city isn't built on love, it's built on something else. And also the female city contrasted to the before, which I would argue, and some could argue for the sake of many, many PhD papers of the thesis of the male city, the male city. And so I would argue that the before is also the city that men built. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, so, okay. Yeah. So let's talk about building things. Hey, look at that transition. And Julia, I want you to chime mm. in here because I feel like I'm talking over you. Um, the shoe. So, um, Leela's yes, family. So the shoe, yeah. just for every, just to make sure everyone understands. Yeah. The shoe is, is actually not as just representative of these characters, but actually in Italian history, when they were coming back from the war, um, they this, the shoe manufacturing is actually a, a thing. Like, she's, she's using that. I, I think Naples, um, I don't know if it was happening in Naples. It was happening, from what I read, briefly. Again, God, forgive me. Um, she, uh, in the north... No more northern part of Italy was more manufacturing, and they were making like high, higher end, graceful shoes for the first time post war. And so I think Leela is like trying to tap into that. Um, the whole shoe making the elegant shoe from the from the skills of one man, her father, and then the, the idea of a shoe factory like that's like trying to tap into this whole. Um, larger cultural thing that's going on that was very true in Italy's history. Anyway, I just mm-hmm. had to say that. And yeah. again, Leela being like, this is just what they do day in and day out. Her dad and her brother make the shoes. She's like, hey. They fix shoes. They fix they, shoes. They, they fix don't shoes. make they shoes. Don't they make. fix shoes. And she's like, what, if you have all this talent. Totally. Let's make it and let's make this freaking shoot something that's ours it's actually like beautiful instead of just like 
Yes. It's yeah, Dido. It's Dido. Amazing. <laughs> like she is. She and so, is, yeah. I love, okay, so there's, there, what I love that Elena Ferrante does is bring you right into, because I think about anybody that you know that is working on something that somebody else thinks is stupid, and you could replace shoe with little cannabis shop, or comedy career, or... Um, I'm building an app that does this weird little thing and it might fail, right? But at the moment you're taking it so seriously and they're making this shoe, this beautiful shoe. And of course, from the 2020 perspective, you're like, oh yeah, you make a nice shoe. Women will buy that shit. Like there's no doubt, you know, get a, get an Etsy store, make custom shoes. It makes perfect sense. But this kind of secretive, no, we can't make a shoe, we can't grow. It's it's such a battle, not only of the time, like you're post-war, you're surviving. And the little upticks in the neighborhood, like a couple of people get automobiles and they're kind of the fancy people. And then a couple of people are... You know, the grocery store is expanding and the bar is expanding and, you know, there's, they're doing work down by the railroad. And so they, they are like, okay, we, we can do this. You know, people have money and they're, they're going to want to buy these shoes. And that belief lid that like, no, we have to survive. We can't trust that. People make money in bad ways, you know, just this kind of, but also there's that passion to create something beautiful and um okay um original yes original yes and she's the poor little girl like she's a girl too like she has no place in business in saying something in any of it creating something creating something she just wants to express who she is yeah (laughs) yes and and to and be she's like acutely a... aware that she's she she's she's limited. She she knows the cage that she's in, and she still tries to find the little peepholes and like find her little her own mark. And because she's smart and she knows well, and how to maneuver the men. Yeah, totally. And as people who just can't help themselves on who we are, you can't help it. You, you can't help it. You're just driven. Breathing to her. It's just. It's just doing. That's who she is. Yeah. When men do it, they're ambitious and successful. Yeah. When women do it, they're conniving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and also, I think there's not an example to believe in. You know, if you, if you're growing up kind exactly. of in that hard scrabble yeah. way, yeah. it legitimately seems Certainly crazy. not your mother's. Right. Yeah. Or, oh, there's, gosh, there's this whole section of questions about the mother-daughter relationship, which we can go into that, or we can talk about um, Leela getting married, and were you surprised at that direction, and were you, you know, how that unfolded, and did you want to talk about the margins? Oh, we've got to talk about the dissolving margins. Yeah. Okay, Absolutely. So, so at the very beginning yeah. of the book... Um, when she's 66 years old, she kind of references the first time that Leela ever talked about the dissolving margins. And this, when I first read this, I was like, wait a minute, what? How are we talking about her? You know, there's all these stories about this neighborhood. And then suddenly we're talking about Leela 
mentioning here and there that the borders of physical objects and people merged together and that she merged into things. And it was no big deal. You know, it was just what happened. And you suddenly see, I haven't read anything further. So I don't know if she's, yeah. So just tell me about, tell me why you wanted to talk about the dissolving margins. Well, um, God, I, psychologically, I was like, so I was so prepared for this and I had a couple things in the book because I was rereading it for, honestly for like the fourth or fifth time and then I kind of lost it and got on to other things um, but yeah her dissolving margins so 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 to give the average person uh, who might be listening out there who maybe hasn't read the book um, or has read one of them or something like she Leela and Elena, in part two of the book, of book one, um, is adolescence, and there's this building up toward a party that Stefano gives. And Stefano, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, Stefano is the son of Don Achilles, correct? correct. Yeah. And, and he, Pasquale, and then no, no, I get this wrong. Antonio is the son of Don Achilles. No, Don Achilles, Stefano is the son of, 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 of Stefano, who owns the grocery store, is the son of Don Achilles. Yes, and yes, yes. the murderer of Don Achilles yes. is Antonio and Carmela. The, he's the, they're the children of the, the person accused of killing yeah, Don yeah, Achilles. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, the larger point is, in the neighborhood, there is this very real strife. Because, uh, one person, one parent, one, one group's father is dead and the other father has gone to prison for life. Yeah. Um, and Leela has always asserted that, that, um, Antonio's father couldn't have killed, uh, Don Achilles because, um, because it, it looked like too much of an intimate murder. It looked like a female had done it. But anyway, somebody went to prison and it was Antonio and stuff. Uh, it was Antonio's father. father, and Stefano owns the grocery store, and he's going to have a, a big celebration and has a party and wants to invite everyone, and he tells the girls, you know, let's all have a party, and they say, no, we can't all come because there's a strife because this group, this, these children's father married your father, and he says, no, let's all get together and have this party, and the girls go into this whole story of presenting it uh, that like we need to move on from our parents' story. That if we can have this party together, it's symbolic that we're moving forward from the past. We're moving on from the before. If we can all go to this party together, and so they convince the boys, the the murderer, the the children of the murderer of Don Achilles and their family goes to the party of Don Achilles' son, who owns the grocery store, yeah. and their family's home for this party and mm-hmm. at that party while while fireworks are going off and all kinds of things are happening Leela has her first quote unquote episode of dissolving boundaries where where thing she sees her she's been going through a thing with her brother Rhino or Reno at the store she's wanted to make a very particular kind of shoe and she's entrusted him into secrecy to build a shoe with her and not tell her father who is against it for a lot of reasons. Um, 
and she's noticed that he, her brother is changing. And while her, she's seeing her brother change, she is experiencing anxiety about her brother changing. Mm-hmm. And then they go to this party and at this party, people and the events and the, the, the noise, um, seem to, I would do, I mean, it's so well done in the story, but uh, for yeah. the average person, it was, it's, I would imagine it's like describing a panic attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where well, you also have this, you're, you're looking at your visual surroundings and you're around. Wait, where'd you go? You there? That isn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. yes. But like I want to say we have we have just a few minutes. It's, it's like. Oh, Hello? okay, okay, okay. Hello? Got you. No, we're here. We're here. We just we I realize we're getting close to time, okay. and so I wanted to talk about like what I wanted to say was like okay. There's so much. There's so much. Like, I just realized we didn't talk about her going away and her sexual encounters and the dancing and the car and the men looking at Lila when she's out. There's so much. And so if you could send away, if someone's listening and they're like, should I go read this book? And should I read the next one? And should I read the next one? Yeah. (laughs) Julie gives it a big yeah. (laughs) Um, any other big thing <laughs> that you wanted to, because there's so much about her going out and exploring her world and about Leela becoming this woman with this kind of rich man who's controversial and is that good or bad? And I don't know. Is there one last nugget that you want to throw in there? I can't believe we're running out of time, but yes. I was going to say go. go oh my God. Um, okay. Okay. Come on, Tina, you got this. It would just be that, um, you know, there's always this running interpretation of things of is it complex or is it super simple? And I think it's both. And I think that these books um, take that narrative on with these two female characters. And if you're a woman, um, it get these novels give you everything you need as a starting point <laughs> to put yourself in context. Oh my god! Honestly. And if you're a man and you're interested in women and seeing women in context, then you should also read these books. Yeah, well done. yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, I want to come back and do more. Like this will motivate me to read the next three. Um, and just so you guys know, we're looking at, just so you can be thinking about what's next, because um, people are starting to go, oh, hey, I want to jump in on that book, or oh, hey, I want to jump in on that next book. So we started putting it out there to people and getting people who've never been on here before, like Julie Washburn. Yay! We're in three different time zones today, y'all. And um, Chris is already back in California, and we're time here in traveling. Michigan. We're time traveling in so many ways. <laughs> Ooh. But um, nice. yeah, in two weeks, it's <laughs> The Stars and the Blackness Between Them, which is a young adult book that I've heard a lot about. And then after that, it's a book called The Electrician. And that one, uh, a friend of mine co-wrote it, and it's great if you're about probably 43 to 55, and you... 
I, I think the particular generation, the reason why is because this book is about this boy growing up and his father in Boston and he becomes an electrician. He deals with all these things, but it's all the references he makes to the way he lives in that era. Um, yeah, uh, we are, we're being shoved out. <laughs> it's, we're past our time. But so the stars and the blackness between us is next. And then, um, the okay. electrician and then, um, Walter Mosley, the elements of fiction. So that's a book on writing. So I wanted to put that one on your radar, Chris, oh, the yeah, elements of that. fiction mm-hmm. by Walter Mosley. Yeah. Then we're going to also do the Bhagavad Gita with my friend Jill, who is a Ashtanga yoga teacher. And we're going to do plant spirit medicine, which is, yeah, which, and I'm hoping oh, to get, yeah. Right. So if you want to, you know, come back for either one of those, now that we understand this conference call thing, then it will make everything so much easier. <laughs> So much easier. And, um, lots of fun things are happening with this, you know, as far as collaborations and stuff. So we'll have to have a separate conversation so I can tell you all about that. And, um, thank you so much. Thanks for being patient at the beginning and for, um, and all that. Okay. Ladies. Okay. Okay. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Thanks. Love you both. Julie. Come back. We're going to try this thing again where we play the music from my phone. Oh, we're doing it and then we'll fade out right now because the next show is coming. Bye.